If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. We'll read through verse 11. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now Paul is writing here, and he's writing to the church there, and the, uh, the Thessalonians, and uh, he's writing to Christians here. So pay close attention. If you're saved, this is to you and to me. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day, and are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? What it says there, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege to call you our Father. I thank you for the privilege to be the pastor of this, your part of your flock, Lord. I thank you and I praise you. I thank you for those that are here today. And I pray that you speak to their hearts, Lord, and may we come away from this place today and be able to say it was so good to be in God's house with God's people. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. According to Scripture, Jesus is the chief shepherd. The Bible says he is the good shepherd. The Bible says that the shepherd gives his life for his sheep. And listen, we are the sheep of his pasture, if we're saved. We're not wolves of the devil's pasture, but we are sheep of the Lord Jesus' pasture. And I want to tell you this. I, I feel this way. I want you to know that I love you, every one of you. I want you to know, Lynn, and I pray for you every morning that we arise out of bed, that we come in a certain place in our house, where our Bibles are, where our missionary books are, where our prayer lists are, and your names are called. And I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity this year to serve you as your pastor. But I do love you. I'm your shepherd. You are my sheep. So I want to um, think about what's best for us. When we think about who we are and where we are and where we're headed. And, uh, you know, we don't know where we're headed uh, as far as this life is concerned this year. Now, as a Christian, we know where we're headed when this life is over. But as far as what lies ahead, we can't know. I had a funeral yesterday afternoon of a friend, 57 years old. 
I got home and I recorded that death in my book. And I got to looking and counting. I've had 26 funerals this year. That's a lot of funerals. A lot of friends. Only a couple of those I did not know. And only a couple of those that I did not know which way they went. Some funerals are easy. Some are tough. But it's part of my calling. The man says, my daddy's died. The preacher's out of town, and I'm wondering if you could say a few words at my daddy's service. So yes, sir, I will. What do you charge, he said. I said, son, I don't charge anything. About 50 people there. The looks of things and the way they came. And God knows their hearts, I don't. It didn't appear like they were church folk. So I'll tell you what your pastor done. I preached Jesus. I said at the end of the service, I said, if anyone wants to talk to me about what we talked about today, you stop me after the service, I'll be here. I didn't get out of the building. Preacher, we need to talk to you. Preacher, we want to talk to you. See, people are hungry, but a lot of times they don't come and they don't hear the word until it's a funeral. Until tragic, something tragic happens. And it's sad, y'all, in the day in which we live. And as we begin a new year, I want us to get ready. I want us to get ready for the challenges that lie ahead. I want to challenge us as a church to do our best this year, if at all possible, if it's God's will, to get out of debt with this building this year. We can do it if we put forth every effort possible, if we give sacrificially, if we'll meet the challenge that God places before us. Get ready also, not only for challenges, but for sorrows. Because they will come. There'll be deaths in our church this coming year. There'll be some tragic things happen in our church family this coming year. We need to be ready for those things because they're coming. But also, on the good side, there will be blessings. There'll be more blessings than you and I will be able to take in if we're following the Lord Jesus, if we're giving what he expects us to give. You see, the Lord said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to be with you forever. He knows what lies ahead. That's why it's so important to follow the chief shepherd. I said the chief shepherd, not this shepherd. Follow the chief shepherd. Pray for this shepherd that I'll be all this church needs as a pastor. I was questioned this week about my being here. I said, well, just let me tell you this. I said, I didn't want that church. I wasn't looking for that church. I would have never expected to be the pastor of First Baptist Church. But I said, the people voted. They called me to be their pastor and God appointed me for this time. Now, <clears throat> I didn't ask for that, okay? But I'm so grateful today because God, he sees the big picture, okay? I only see a few snapshots along the way. 
as we look through albums of photographs, you see pictures, and those pictures remind us of where we used to be and how we used to be and where we were. And so, but God sees not snapshots of us. He sees the big picture. He knows. So I, I, want, to, I just want to challenge you. I want you to listen. How to have a consistent Christian life. It's important that we as Christians live consistently. I'm going to tell you, I believe, okay, I've been there, all right? I believe a lot of our troubles, a lot of our problems come from inconsistency as a Christian. I want to just give you some simple things. If you want to have a consistent Christian life, okay, I want to give you four simple things. First of all, the Bible must be a part of our everyday life. This one of these couples yesterday that I spoke to, they said, we've rededicated our life to the Lord. We want to do right, preacher, and so I'm asking you to give us some good advice. God knew I was going to meet them. God knew what I was preaching today, so the first thing I started with them, I said, how often are you reading your Bible? They both just hung their head. They said, we, we don't hardly read it. You know, this right here is a very vital part of my everyday life, reading God's Word. If you don't have time to read God's Word, let me tell you, you are too busy. I don't feel good if I leave the house in the morning and I have not read my devotional for the day. People say, well, I don't know where to begin. Well, I shared with that couple yesterday where to begin. One man after service says, I'm going to come back and hear you preach. I said, I'm not the pastor here. Oh, you're not? I said, no, sir, I'm not. Where do you pastor? And I told him. You see, people, a lot of people just don't, they don't know. They're not there. They're not consistent. So they have no idea. I could have probably said, I'm Billy Graham. I've come back. Ooh. As far as that goes, you know, my goodness. But the Bible, listen, it needs to be a consistent part of our everyday life. We go by, by I use the daily bread. There's the open windows. Uh, there's mature living. There, there are all kinds of things out there for us to reach and get our hands on to know where to go and read, okay? I'll confess to you, I, as your pastor, I have never, ever read the Bible all the way through. That shocks you, get over it. I mean, people, I've heard people brag, I've read the Bible through six times. Wonderful, where is this found? I have no idea. Okay, it's okay to read the Bible through in one year. There, there's a guide in our book that will let, allow us to read the Bible through in one year, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But what good is it if we read a portion of God's Word and it don't speak to us? You say, well, I read so much. Well, yes, we do. Lynn reads a lot. I'm talking a lot. If you don't believe she reads a lot, we took a little motorcycle ride the other day. It was real refreshing. She comes out with her coat, her do-rag, and her helmet, 
and a book. We go down the road riding a motorcycle. She's sitting back there reading a book, just slick as a button. <laughs> we took a motorcycle trip to Canada. Went to Niagara Falls on the Canada side. That summer, I forget how many thousands of miles we traveled on a motorcycle. She read four books. Did she sightsee? Oh, no, I sightsee. But she enjoyed it. Hey. Reading. God's word's important, okay? I'm not saying don't read anything else, but I am saying we need to read God's word. We should start each day by reading a portion of God's work. To neglect this book will starve us to death spiritually. I suggest maybe we should read the book as often as we eat. <laughs> Some of us eat around the clock. Oh, I'm supposed to eat. Hold it a minute. Let me read a portion of God's word, then I'll eat. <laughs> Pick your own way. Pick the way God wants you to do it. But please, I beg you, let's start out next year. January 1 of reading God's word every day. You don't understand it? Pray. God, I, I feel like this is trying to speak to me, but I, I don't know what you're trying to say. And, and, and read it again. They not, may not be but one word in that portion of God's word that would speak to you. God was dealing with me to preach, and this is a long story made real quick and short. The day that I had my accident in my truck that I should literally, really, I should have been killed on that day. If you could have seen the truck, I should have been killed on that day. I had gotten up early that morning. I was running behind. I did not read scripture. I did not pray. All that was on my mind was to get ready and get out of here and get on the job. I didn't make it. I ended up on a table where the doctor says this, this, and this. And I'm thinking, surely not. In the back of my heart and my mind, God said, I've tried to tell you. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. You won't listen. If you're not going to listen, I listen, y'all. I'm going to kill you and take you out of here. I neglected the word that morning. I neglected to communicate with my father. Reading God's word is important. Secondly, you want to have a consistent Christian life. Not only should we be reading the word every day, but we ought to be a part of everyday life should be prayer. Now, that's communication with God. Simple, plain and simple. Communication with God. I've heard old-time folk pray, Lord, this is Janie. I'm calling on you, Lord. Lord, this is my needs for the day. I heard an old black lady pray one day like that. I wish that I had recorded that. But she wanted God to know who she was as if he didn't. She wanted God to know what she needed as if he didn't. You know, to have a good physical life, we need to be able to breathe good, don't we? 
You know, hey, not being able to breathe is scary. I mean, I have asthma, and sometimes in, during the nights, not all the time, but sometimes during the night, I wake up literally choking. I'm on the side of the bed trying to get my breath and can't. And I stumble, I crawl to the wherever, trying to get some relief. Listen, when you can't breathe, it's scary. Prayer ought to be to our spiritual body like oxygen is to our physical body. You know, can you hold your breath? Well, I don't know how long I can hold it. I don't do too good when they put me in that breathing machine where they want me to blow as hard as you can blow and raise it as high as it can go. My goodness. And then on the other end, suck as hard as you can suck. Just give me the bottle and let me do it, you know. Well, prayer. It's important. God wants to hear from his children. In fact, the Bible says he hears the cries of his children. And I'm thinking of all the millions of people who are saved in the world. What does it sound like in, the, in heaven at the throne when everybody's storming heaven and calling on God? Let me tell you something. We serve a God that hears every prayer. Don't get slack on me. He hears every prayer. I've heard people say, well, in prayers you can get above the ceiling. Well, you know what hinders prayers? Sin. Pure and simple. Sin in our life hinders our prayers. So, I always try to start my prayers. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart and hear my prayer. You know, if it's not worth hearing, then I don't need to pray it. But I don't want to leave the house again. Not only without reading the word, but I don't, I don't want to leave the house without asking God to bless today and all the names that we call. I mean, it's amazing. There's a bunch of you sitting in here that have physical needs that Lynn and I pray for you personally every day. Your name is called in our house. And I was looking at my prayer list the other day. I'm going to have to make a new one because it's about getting real frail, and I can't hardly read some of the names because I go down through there with my finger on the names as I go through the list every morning. I want to urge you to pray every day in this coming new year. Thirdly, you want to live a good, consistent Christian life, you got to read God's Word, you got to pray. The third thing is we must live committed Christian lives every day. All, all of our Bible reading and prayer will be useless unless we're committed and committed our life to God. Commitment is a hard thing. I was, I was t- 24 Land was 19, and we went to borrow money to build a house. We had land. And the uh, loan officer said, you all need to sign here. By the way, um, where's your birth certificate? We had to go through all that stuff. Long story short, land wasn't old enough to sign for a loan. So we had to go back and redo all of that. And then I had to go, and I can remember that very day when I went in, interviewed, and they said, uh, Mr. Owen, we, we are granting you your wish for a loan to build a house. 
All you got to do is sign right here. Now you understand all that's above here. I'll go over it with you. They went over it. I signed my name on that paper, committing to make the house payment every month. Now, I don't mind telling you, when I walked out of that office, I felt like I had committed the biggest sin ever. I had a load on my shoulders. Nobody signed the paper. My mom and daddy wasn't there. My in-laws wasn't there. And I'm on my own. Here I am with a big old load. And that payment must be made, Mr. Owen, every month. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Wow. God blessed. We made the payment. Every month. Why? Because I was committed. Everything I have ever done, I have done my best to be committed to it. That's why it took two years for God to get my full attention to surrender to preach because I knew in my heart the day I surrendered to preach that I would have to stick with it. Since 1976. And I'm going to stick with it. As long as I have breath to breathe, I may not be here, but I will be somewhere because I know without any doubt, not only has God saved my soul and called me to preach, but I have a church that I know for a fact loves me. Listen, y'all, that makes it worth it all when you know that your church family loves you. And it's okay to you to criticize me. It's okay. I'm going to love you right on. It's okay for you to say I don't go along with all you said today. I'm going to love you right on. When I open up the letter and you forgot to sign it, I'm going to love you right on. I've come too far to turn back now. I am committed to the Lord Jesus Christ to read his word every day, to pray every day, and to be committed to the calling that he has extended me. I'm not grandma called and I ain't papa called. I'm God called. And I thank him for that. Last of all, you want to live a consistent Christian life every day. We should give God ourselves every day. I want you to listen to these simple little things. Uh, the scripture, if you were writing, the scripture is Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto, unto God. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, listen, and perfect will of God. Listen what this is. Give God the first day of every week. What day is that? Tell me somebody. Sunday. Give it to him. Now listen to me. I'm human. I have had to work on Sunday, okay? And I know some of you, you can't help. You have to work on Sunday if you're going to keep your job. And God understands, all right? But it, even if we have to work on Sunday, it shouldn't keep us from reading our Bible, praying, and be committed that day, even though you may have to work, all right? But we need to give God the first day of every week.
We need to give God the first part of every day. That goes back to reading and praying. There was a little girl many, many years ago. Her first name was Batson. Excuse me, no it wasn't. It was the last name was Batson. It wasn't Carolyn Batson. It was Diane Batson. In those days when you were going to get married, at the rehearsal you had what they call a stand-in bride. She was my stand-in bride. She was one of Lynn's best college friends. She was a stand-in bride on Friday night. We got married on Saturday afternoon. The next morning on Sunday when we got up, I called her, called Diane Batson. I said, I'm looking for a stand-in bride. Of course, she recognized her voice. Where are y'all? And we told her. She said, thank you so much. It was a wonderful wedding. Less than a month later, she was going to Clemson University doing her student teaching. Headed up to Daniel High School to do her student teaching. Rounded a curve. There was a car in her lane. They hit head on. She was killed instantly. The little girl that roomed with her gave this testimony. said, Diane was a sure, born-again child of God. And said, in fact, in our dorm room, if you go there right now, this was right there at the funeral time. If you go there right now, you'll find her Bible open where she read her devotional that morning before she left the dorm room. It's important. Thirdly, give God the first consideration in every decision. He needs to be let know. He knows everything, but he needs to be let know. Hey, Lord, this is what my plans are, and, and please help me through this. If it's your will, if it's not your will, then you stop it. Pretty simple. A fourth thing, we need to give God the opportunity to witness through us. Before I got out of my truck yesterday for the funeral, it was like this. Are you going to give an invitation? And I thought to myself a moment, I said, no, I don't, I don't think I will today. I was getting out of the truck, and God impressed, you've got to. You've got to give an invitation at a funeral, and I did, and people responded. You see, God knows more than I know. He knew who needed to talk to me. I'm not condemning any pastor or preacher. But when I do a funeral, I always try. I always try to hang around just in case somebody needs to talk to me. And I feel like if we're in such a hurry that we've got to leave as soon as we say amen, we probably shouldn't have been there for the funeral. The last thing here is we talk about giving ourselves every day to God. The last thing is give God the first dime of every dollar. It's His. You don't have to believe in it, but I know what the book says. It says to give what's His. When do you give it? Upon the first 
day of the week. What a better way to start out than giving God what belongs to him. May God bless us in this new year. Listen to me. I want to share this with you too in closing. Don't let the cares of this world worry you to the point that you can't function because, listen, they are not worth it. There's some things you and I can't change. So I change the things I can. Those things I can't change, don't worry about it. Don't fret over it because it will drive you insane. And you'll do something that you regret. (coughs) Think about this. Where is God in your lineup of life? I remember the boys. I coached baseball. All the boys on the team. (coughs) Coach, coach, where am I in the lineup? They wanted to know. You know, God knows, but I believe he's asking me this morning as he asks you, where is God in your lineup? If he's not first, you're headed for trouble. You're headed for sorrows. You're going to be headed for some challenges you never dreamed of. And you're going to be headed to them by yourself. Where is God in the lineup of life? I've watched preachers on TV. I try to get all kind of ideas. I want to do what God wants me to do. A lot of services, I see people just as hard as they can go taking notes. So I ask you a question. What do you do with all these sermons? What do you do with them? Some just come, they sit, they listen, they go home. Some of you bring your Bible, you follow along. Some of you bring note paper, you write notes. Listen, I can't remember all this stuff. But this right here, this morning, this is simple. Pray, read God's word, be committed to this calling. Every day needs to be his. But the thing is, where is God in your lineup? Where is he? You're the only one that can answer that. So I want to challenge you. As we end up this year, 2018 will soon be over. What have I done for God that's going to count in heaven? What have I done? I haven't always done right. I'm sure I have overlooked situations that I should have not overlooked. I have probably not spoken to people that I should have spoken to. I try not to hide. I try to get out here and go all over the place, all over speaking to every person I can possibly speak to. Why? Because you are my sheep. The Bible talks about shepherds guiding the sheep, guarding the sheep, herding the sheep, making sure they have good green pastures. The word of God. Listen, I'll never stand before you and preach something that's not in here. I challenge you today, whatever God's laid on your heart, (coughs) as we begin next Sunday, a new year, what will you do with Jesus? Brother Mark's coming, and we're going to have our hymn of invitation, and I just urge you to do what God's asking you to do. It doesn't matter. Don't care what nobody thinks. Do what God says. Father, 
Thank you for the privilege to stand here today. Thank you for my people. Thank you for the guest in the house today. Lord, I pray that I have given them something of green pastures and fresh water to eat and to drink on this coming week. That lives would be changed by you. And God, we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.